When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Turn on the Jets Live. I'm your host, Steven Zance, joined by my co-host, Steven Russo. No guests this week, but we do have a team to recap. You know, the Jets playing the Bengals last week. Steven, how's it going? It definitely wasn't fun for me. I want to know how it was for you. No, not fun at all. I'm doing okay, though. I've recovered. I mean, yeah, you know, it's been obviously a roller coaster of a season thus far, only three games in. You just you, you you kind of feel discouraged because it just feels like every week is is like a clean slate where they can't really build off anything that they did the previous week, which is frustrating. But again, we're only three games in. We can't necessarily hit the panic button. However, you can't disregard the things that uh, you're seeing every week and, and what your eyes are telling you. And <clears throat> you know, Sala talks about the difference between faith and, and belief, and I get it, and I I love that about him. I truly do, but. At the end of the day, what your eyes are telling you is that this is uh, not a really good football team. And and honestly, I mean, we could talk uh, ad nauseum about a lot of this stuff. But the reality is, is that they brought in a guy that was a defensive specialist, and that's his M.O. And through 20 games as head coach, they're 32nd DVOA as a defense, which, you know, we had we, we went down this road with Adam Gase and, and the offense and look what we were saying about him. So not totally right, not totally fair to, to fully criticize uh, on that front. But, man, it's starting to get there. So excited to talk about it with you and kind of, uh, you know, air the dirty laundry and get it out of the system and move on to Pittsburgh. But how are you feeling? I mean, I think it's good that it's been a few days since the game, because obviously mm-hmm. I was a lot more annoyed and pissed off <laughs> on Sunday night, Monday morning. It's you know, now we're here. It's Wednesday. I'm like a little bit like, OK, whatever. You hit on a lot of good things. I, I think the problem here is, you know, we can, we're gonna, we'll talk about the game, some of the things that frustrated us because there was plenty of it, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But it's like people get defensive on Twitter and social media when you're critical of Salah and you're critical of the staff and the team as a whole. But, like, listen, I get it. They are not responsible for all the history of the negativity with the Jets. But the problem is here is they're responsible for what they're doing. And what they're doing is not good enough in my eyes. It's like, it's one thing to lose, but it's another thing when you're basically not even putting up a fight. They couldn't score a touchdown in their home building, essentially for two games. I'm throwing the garbage touchdown in the last two minutes of the Baltimore game. They haven't scored a touchdown at home, a meaningful one, since the season started. I, I you know, like I like Salah, just like you. I was very enthused by the hire. He was somebody who I was pleasantly surprised that they were able to land because when he left the building, I think we talked about this last week, I was like, they're probably he's going to go somewhere else. Yep. And he was very highly regarded. He's very well liked. He's a likable guy. That's the thing. Like Adam Gates gets hired. We're all just like, this is never going to work. We saw it with Miami. He wasn't just like someone you want to root for as like a person. So it was just like, whatever. That one was different. Where Salah's like, you know, all guys don't break. He's super positive. He's got all this charisma about him. And he's all about like, you know, helping these players, not necessarily being critical. But you know what? I've seen Brian Dable yell at his players on the sideline. His team, his team seems to respond a little bit better than ours. I mean, like, I tweeted this out. I know you liked it uh, the other night. It's like, the Giants lost, but they, despite the fact they basically couldn't score, 
they were fighting the whole time and he felt like they could, if they just get one play, they could have won that game. Whereas the Jets, if, you know, they only have led for like, what, 22 seconds this entire season? Luckily, it was the most important 22 seconds, you know, in that Browns game. But like, it's just, it's frustrating. And I don't want to be like super negative. I, I don't want, I want to be positive. I want to be excited about this team. I love this team. I've been rooting for this team for 30 years. You've been rooting it for, you know, 37 years. Sorry to age you. But the point is, is like. <laughs> Not 37 just yet. I got a couple more weeks for that, man. Come on. All right. All right. But the point is, is Robert Solid stinks until he doesn't. Like, yeah. there's, like, let's not lie to ourselves anymore. Like, I get it. You wear the jet goggles, which I know is one of the, the Russo, Russo-isms of this show. Or, like, you know, you, you want, you're holding up blind faith. But, like, why? Mm-hmm. There's nothing that they're showing defensively other than the corners. But it still doesn't matter because there's terrible on defense right now. It's like, okay, like, come on, let's, let's. If you're this yeah. defensive guru that you are hyped to be when we hired you, I need to see it on the field, man. Because, like, I get it. We didn't have your starting quarterback, but, like, you could still be competitive without your starting quarterback. Look yeah. at the Dallas Cowboys. Mike McCarthy, we clown all the time. They've been pretty competitive other than week one. I know, obviously, they played Tampa, who has a great defense, but mm-hmm. they beat the team that we just lost to. And they went on the road to beat the Giants, who were surprising to us. So that, that's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, it, it feels like same story, different chapter here. And I hate saying it, that, but it's true. It, it, but it is. And, and, and in all reality, I think the frustrating thing is, first of all, there's a lot of frustrating things about this, but let's not <laughs> let's not pretend that, you know, running into Baltimore week one and Cincinnati week three was like uh, an insurmountable thing or they ran no. into a buzzsaw. They were not. Both were winnable games. Baltimore yep. and Cincinnati did not bring their A game. I don't necessarily disagree. I know Salah's, um, his presser uh, or, or, or interview with the Michael K show after week one was that we lost it and that they didn't win it. I don't necessarily disagree with that. Both games were there for the taking and they didn't capitalize. I said after week one that I'm just extremely tired of digging and searching for the positives within loss, losses like that, double, specifically double-digit losses, where it's like, okay, well, if this didn't go this way, then maybe it looks differently. And you could point to a number of things in the Cincinnati game. You know, if JFM doesn't get the roughing call, if Corey Davis doesn't get the, the personal foul. But you know what? These things keep happening. And that's, and it's that's like, the bigger picture. It, it, exactly. And it's like we can't continue to play this what-if game. I mean, you, me, Will, We all keep saying that this team simply isn't good enough to overcome those kinds of mistakes and those kinds of gaffes, yet those mistakes and gaffes continue to happen. It's just, it's infuriating. Like, you know, this game was there for the taking. Cincinnati could have easily hung 40 on us and they didn't. They made you know, questionable calls in the, in the, in the second half there that kept the jets hanging around and still the jets couldn't capitalize. Like, Let's not, we're going to fast forward to Pittsburgh, uh, you know, at some point in the show. And like, I am so excited for Zach Wilson to come, come back because I think, and I was one, I didn't think the drop off, I've said it, you know, a hundred times in the show, I didn't think the drop off from Zach to, to Flacco was going to be as dramatic as it was. I was dead wrong. But let's not act like Zach coming back is going to cover up all these other words that are there. Unless he takes this job. Right. And I mean, hopefully he can move the ball and keep us in games and put the goddamn ball in the end zone. But at the same time, man, this defense did not look good. And I, like I said, since he could have hung 40 on us easily, and luckily they didn't and kept us with a, a sliver of hope, but still 
the Jets couldn't capitalize. So it's, it's been a, a frustrating first three weeks, even with, you know, considering the uh, the week two miracle in Cleveland. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Like, you, like you're talking about all these little things you could point to, but this happens and this happens, but it doesn't happen. It yeah. all, everything went right for them in that Cleveland last two minutes, but that's not going to happen again. Like, mm-hmm. like, the odds of that happening are like as good as me hitting like a ridiculous like same game parlay winning like fifty thousand dollars. It's not happening again. So like I get it, and I've said this, and people are like, "Well, they still won the game." Like, yes, they won the game, but like they had no business winning that game. They didn't earn that game. Cleveland handed to them, which is what we've been doing with every other opponent for the last four years. So it's like yeah. I get it, and you got to give them credit. At least they're not zero and three, but. If Nick, if you know Kareem Hunt steps doesn't step out of bounds, I'm probably going through right now. I mean, yes, yeah. it was exciting. I was I loved it and, and everything. It just showed you like when things can go right, what it could be. But yep. there was the same defensive issues that we saw. Yes, I mean we saw on Sunday and we saw in Week One. Mm-hmm. I mean the second half because obviously the first half was the only half, but I think that was a lot more because of the weather than what the defense actually is. I mean the corners have been consistently good, but if you're getting gashed, you know, in the middle of the field and the safeties can't do anything, like. What are you going to do? I mean, yeah. listen, this is going to be an interesting test this week with Pittsburgh because they don't have a good quarterback. It's probably it's going to be the worst quarterback that they've faced this year. So by far, and say what you want about Jacoby Brissett, he's actually played pretty well all three weeks. So played far. really good against the Jets, too. Played great against the Jets. I think <laughs> it was like five incompletions or whatever yep. it was. But like, it's just, it's the same stuff. It's just like they're undisciplined. They are blowing assignments and like, Salah did not do himself favors with, oh, mm-hmm. every team blows, has miscreation six, seven times a game. The only reason why you're recognizing ours is because they happen on touchdowns. I'm like, well, clearly they really weren't that big of miscommunications because nothing's happening with them. But that's, that's why that comment is stupid because if it's a miscommunication and nobody sees it, clearly it really wasn't that big of a deal yeah. where these are actually a big deal. And that's why it's just it was like, okay, man, like and- – Say whatever helps you sleep at night. And and every week those miscommunications led to the number one wide receiver getting a wide open touchdown. Yeah. That's I mean, that's that's problematic and fix it. Like, yeah, okay, if these happen, that's fine, but fix it because it's time. I keep going back to like if two double digit losses at home. I think of it from my personal perspective. I haven't been to a Jets to I haven't been to a game since 08. I went to you know a game the the Brett Favre year against Cincinnati. It was fun, whatever, but I'm from upstate New York, so it's a long trip for me. But I think about, like, I was honestly considering going to the Miami game in two weeks. And I think about it for me personally, like, family of five, let's say, what, 200 bucks a ticket? That's $1,000. And I go there and I see them lose by double digits and put up an effort like that after taking my family and driving that way and go, having to go back home and all that, possibly get a hotel. I'm pissed, right? <laughs> and I don't fault anyone else for feeling like that. Like, I would, I'm pissed sitting on my couch. And I can't imagine how people feel going to the stadium and, and trying to get jacked up for that and then seeing that performance. And you try to, I mean, we, as a fan base, we were as jazzed up about that game <clears throat> coming off that Cleveland win, a w- very winnable game against a good team, a good team, but a team with his, with, you know, on its heels backs against the wall. Like you got to go in for the knockout punch and that's the effort they put up. It, it's, it's, it's disheartening. It is deflating and it's frustrating, man. And uh, you could point to a lot of things here, but in, in my opinion, um, coming out of that Cincinnati game, you know, Flacco played as bad as he has as a Jet, uh, especially this season. I mean, that was a that was bad. 
Uh, he I'm never, like, he can't, he can't get hit without fumbling. I don't understand how a 37 year old quarterback, Super Bowl winning quarterback, can't feel the pressure, has no pocket presence, and can't get hit without giving the ball up. And the, you know, I, I can fault the play calls. I love them trying to force feed Elijah Moore, but, but taking a, a jump ball on, on third and five deep in Cincinnati territory in the, in the first half, and then going on, on fourth and five on a, on a deep jump ball in the second half down the other sideline to Elijah Moore, whether it's Flacco's decision or the floor's call or both, it's bad. Throwing downfield, into triple coverage to Braxton Berrios in the middle of the field. Like, that was the worst one. Because everyone else is open. Exactly. He's five and it was just, I, I don't know. It was Flacco's worst game. I thought it was a terrible game for the coaching staff. Ulbrich has to switch something up. The, the stubbornness they have with running their coverages and furthermore, and even more so with their defensive line rotations is a gase level stubbornness. Let's just call it, it what it is. Oh, of course. It is. It, they are consistently trying to fit a square peg in a round hole and not moving off their block. I mean, I, I I've said it. You know, we've both said it. We're not you know film gurus. I'm not a film junkie. I'm not like that. But I look at some of the stats. I mean, it was like the, the Bengals were weak against cover two, and the Jets played what two snaps in cover two. Were the were the metrics like? It just it, it feels like. They're unprepared, and this is not supposed to be this guy's MO, and that's what is very yeah. troubling. And it's it's sad, and like you just don't want to hear that. But it's like the part of the football, the NFL, is the game plan is different every week. Whereas it seems like the Jets are trying to do the same thing every week. Yeah, like if you're gonna do that, you're not gonna win games because everyone's like, oh, it's predictable. They keep doing that week after week. That's why Bill Belichick is so great because there were so many instances where like. They literally game yeah. plan around the opponent. They would attack the one thing that they know that the opponent can't stop. And mm-hmm. they would also take away defensively the one thing that they always were really good at, whether yeah. their best weapon. The Jets don't do any of that. And that's the problem. It's like, like I don't blame Quentin Williams for getting mad because they were like not running the scheme and allowing the defensive line to get home. Mm-hmm. And that's why these safeties are in these precarious spots where they have to do stuff that they're not capable of doing. And you should know that because they stink. Like Jordan Whitehead's good, like in the box, but he's not good in coverage. You can't leave him out there with no help because Jordan is essentially like just a body. He doesn't know what he's doing out there. It's like, how could you continue to watch this on film and not correct these errors? Because it's the same thing that happens. It's, it's, it's unfortunate, but I, I don't want to keep going into this. You know, Jeff fans are tired <laughs> of it. It listen, is. We are. There were like, listen. There's positives. Sauce yeah. Gardner continues to really be impressive. Like Correct. he is, you know, as advertised. The physicality, you know, the athleticism, the arms. I mean, that one play on that deep ball to Jamar Chase. I'm yeah. assuming on, you know, eighty to eighty-five percent of other corners are probably going to give up that catch. Yeah. And because of his, you know, just unique skill set and size, he's able to make that play. And he just continues to do things that you just rookie corner shouldn't be doing so mm-hmm. it's super even exciting. on the play that he got beat by t higgins he was still stride for stride step for step with him too like that's yeah, it's, sometimes it's very he encouraging plays a better route yeah it exactly happens. it's a better route that, yeah. that's football i mean like there's you know there's good coverage and the guy just made a better play and you, you just got to tip your hat to him mm-hmm. but um jermaine johnson's also been pretty good in the run game which is actually one of the things that they actually were good at on sunday but at the end of the day it's like being good at stopping the run in a passing league really doesn't do anything and they're still 32nd in the league in defense from a DVOA standpoint. So it doesn't really matter if you can stop mm-hmm. the run. Like 
yeah, pat yourself on the back all you want, but if you're not hitting the quarterback, you're not going to win in this league. And that's been their issue for basically a decade plus at this point. I mean, like, when was the last time they consistently had a pass rush? 2010? I mean, mm-hmm. I guess 2015 with Mo Welk, but he was like a mirage. You know what I mean? It wasn't mm-hmm. a consistent thing. Um, I do say, I, I do want to say, like, also Garrett Wilson, like, so happy he escaped that game, not yes. being, like, super banged up. I don't even think he's on the injury report, which is crazy because – Thought he was going to be out for a while because he didn't look like he was okay after that hit. I mean, no. I think he had the knock, the wind knocked out of him. To be honest with you, uh, but you also just saw with him not being on the field how terrible this offense is because you essentially had Corey Davis, Elijah, and Barrios. Which nothing against any of them, and obviously I love Elijah, but his usage, which we could talk about after this, mm-hmm. has just been very questioning to say the least. It's like no one's really scared of, of Barrios or Davis. I mean, Davis is like whatever and he had probably the dumbest penalty in the world which we missed because the broadcast went out which is another thing that was yes. so frustrating you're like <laughs> we get good broadcasters yeah. and then it just i still haven't seen it i still don't really know what happened i heard he Neither hit but eli apple but I, I i didn't see it so yeah um yeah i mean i guess it's like a double-edged sword with garrett wilson like as good as he looked uh and you're obviously extremely encouraged by it but if your rookie in his third game is such an integral part of the offense that the offense looks inept when he's not in the field, I mean, that's semi-concerning. That's not how it should be. Um, but overall, I'd say from a positive standpoint, yeah, the overarching theme was that the, the young guys, specifically four of those five rookies, when you talk about Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson, uh, Jermaine Johnson, and Sauce Gardner, looked extremely good. And you could make a very valid argument that Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson are the two best players in the Jets right now. And I, I'm not sure it's, it's, it's really close. So those are the positives to come away with. Um, I think, you know, let's see the jump that we take, the jump that this offense takes when Zach Wilson comes back. I think that's what we're ultimately all really encouraged by. So let's not have a letdown on Sunday at Pittsburgh, but uh, at least see some, uh, you know, some escapability and some more zip on the ball and actually Zach getting the ball out quickly and not fumbling every time he gets close to being hit. Yeah, that's for sure. Non-Jets update, but Aaron Judge just hit a 61st home run. That's what no I kidding. on my phone. I figured I got to really? tell you that. Yeah. Wow. I that's an important thing to interrupt the middle of the show with. No, that's big news, man. I like I it. That's I'm great. actually, uh, we're actually going to the game on Saturday with uh, Chelsea's parents. They're coming in. So I'm Very super nice. excited. Now, Real, 60, yeah. 62, man. There we you bought go. these tickets like a month and a half ago, and it's like crazy. We never would have thought that this was like, yeah. a real thing. And um, the, the, Mets, the Mets are in the midst of a collapse and giving the division away. Yeah. <laughs> That's they, neither here nor there. There's still like a, there's still not <laughs> left. But back to football, I just felt like that was an important thing for you. I'm sure by the time people listen, just they're like, yeah, we already know that already. But <laughs> Steven didn't know. He didn't have a TV on. My phone yeah. went off, and I'm like, okay. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. It was a little concerning, but I'm ex- I'm very excited and also interested to see how this offense changes with the, with an actual mobile quarterback. You know, we're very concerned about Connor McDermott starting at left tackle. I mean, it's scary last year. It's only going to be scarier this year. I do think there's potential for someone who they sign, like a Remmers or a, uh, a Bwehi. I don't know if I said his name right. I know yeah. he's the guy from Jacksonville. There you go. Jacksonville. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I have, there's potential for one of those guys to come to the field on Sunday, especially if, um, you know, McDermott looks overmatched, which I fully expect, like, Whatever you saw from Evan Neal on Monday night against Demarcus Lawrence, expect that again. Mm-hmm. I know TJ Watson out there and he doesn't line up on that side, but that guy Highsmith on Pittsburgh's really nice. good. And they just Pittsburgh's defense always has guys who can get to the quarterback. It doesn't matter who's on that defense. So Correct. uh it is a little scary, but Zach at least has the skill set to, you know, get out of the pocket, run to the right, which is the other side. 
Um, but yeah, I think LaFleur is going to be a little bit more creative. I think the biggest thing I want to see is play action deep shots. We haven't really seen that enough with Flacco, and I do think they're going to try that. But I also just don't want him to, like, call the plays with training wheels. I feel like they have to, like, open up this offense, do the things that they couldn't do because of Flacco. Like, it could be design quarterback runs. Mm-hmm. It could be RPOs. Like, we just – I need more. Like, it was frustrating. Like, Flacco just was so – he looked like he was in quicksand. I know people have made this joke on social media. It's true. He literally could not move. And it's yeah. just like that's not – it's not going to cut it in the NFL unless you're Tom Brady in this day and age. Like, he's the only guy who's, like, literally a statue, but he's the greatest football player of all time. So it's like, whatever. But mm-hmm. – um, what are you most excited? Wait, what did I, say? I was just going to say, the more the pressure got to Flacco, the more spooked he got. And you could just see it. He started short arm throws. He wasn't stepping into it. I mean, the pressure was really getting in, getting to him on Sunday. And that just affected him so much to where Flacco's not going to light the world on fire anyways. But when pressure is coming from all angles, especially up in his face, he's just, he's definitely not going to do it. And that, I mean, you know, love the Brees Hall involvement, but 14 targets to your, to your rookie running back. Give those targets not, to Carter and give not, Carter exactly. and the carries. Not really what we're looking to see for Brees Hall involvement. And it just, it feels like that's, that's kind of how the offense has gone so far is like these huge, like pendulum swings where we're really like LaFleur, we're just looking for some balance here. So like, you know, last week it was Carter on the field the whole time and not, or I'm sorry, against Cleveland, it was Carter on the field the whole time and not Brees Hall. You know, they didn't give Garrett Wilson anything in week one, then it's overload in week two, which is great because he had a great game. But then again, same thing with Hall and Carter this week. It feels like then Hall got all these targets and all this run, which is great, but let's just, let's find the balance, man. Let's make it balanced. There's plenty of weapons here. There's plenty of love to go around, spread the wealth a little bit, make it diversified. And hopefully we just kind of see that more with Zach Wilson coming back now too. I agree. I agree. Conklin though, he's been, he was actually pretty good on Sunday. I know he, he had his fumbles. He didn't fumble, which is good. I he think. Catches. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. A lot of it came in garbage time. I'm, I'm still, I want to see more from Conklin. I want to see more from Uzama. I mean, that was a big, big signing uh, early on in free agency with some big money going to him. He's got one catch through three games. Yeah, like, well, he did, he did miss week two. I so. still, one catch is, and for five yards, I think. It's so I know. Well, one thing you will there. see with him this week is he's going to be helping out on the left side. He's helping out with Fent. He'll definitely be helping out with uh, McDermott. So you may not necessarily see his, um, you know, presence felt in the actual passing game from, you know, a stats perspective, but you will feel it as long as no one's getting beat on the left side. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I would like to see a little bit more from him in the, in the, uh, the passing game. Um, but I think just what LaFleur has been trying to do. And I think it just, it's evident based on the target share that's been, how it's been fluctuating a lot since, you know, since week one, I think he's trying to see what he has, especially in young players like, you know, Garrett Wilson and, and Brees Hall. And now he knows what they can and can't do, like from a limitation standpoint. So now I think he's going to be more balanced in his approach and spread the wealth, like you said. I, I said this last week, and I still feel again, this is the Elijah Moore game. Like, like that misusage is just insane to me. Like, I wasn't at the game. I have uh, my cousins have season tickets. They were there. Will said the same exact thing. Every single play on passing downs, Elijah Moore's open. Every single play. Remember when the issue with the Jets offense, especially at the receivers, is that the receivers couldn't get open. So the mm-hmm. quarterback would hold on to the ball, either throw an interception or get sacked. We have receivers who can get open. Garrett Wilson can get open. Barrios can get open. So can Tonklin. Tonklin, so can um, Elijah Moore. Figure it out. Move them into the slot. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. He doesn't need to be going on the outside, like you said, to have these 50-50 balls. He's 5'9". I don't have a good day. Maybe 5'10", if you really want to be generous. That's not what you should be doing. Those should be going to Garrett. Those should be going to Corey Davis, not to Elijah. And if you're going to ever play Mims, they go to Mims too because he's 6'5". Mm-hmm. But it's just like, why do we need to do this? Like, he's one of your most electric playmakers. Get him the ball. Be creative. Put him in the slot. Do some end arounds. Do some, like, those touch passes. Like, all that stuff. Like, you have to be more creative with your offensive players. And I do think LaFleur will figure it out. I do, you know, we, we're big fans of his. Uh, despite the fact it was like a shaky week from the offense, I still like some of the play calls. I felt like he was trying to be a little bit creative, but he was limited by his quarterback. We do have to remember it's a guy who shouldn't have been starting. They're one and two. The ex- expectation and hope for us was two and two, very much on the table and a very little game. Yeah. So let's talk about that game. Jets heading to Pittsburgh, where they have actually had low key a lot of success against the Steelers in the Tomlin era. They beat them in 2019. It was Duck Hodges. It was an ugly game, but they won that game. They beat them in 2014 when Michael Vick was the quarterback mm-hmm. for the Jets when they benched Geno Smith. They beat them actually in 2007 when they were 4-12, and when they were an awful football team. So there is potential here. And obviously, 2010, they beat them in the regular season before losing to them in the championship game. They've matched up well with them historically against Tomlin. Tomlin's one of the best coaches, probably a top you know, three or four coach in my eyes in the NFL. I know he only has once to rule, but his team is always good. I don't think he's ever had a losing record, but Mr. Trubisky stinks. Like I'm, I'm not here to sit and tell, I'm not going to sit here and tell you Zach Wilson is going to be amazing, but we know what Mr. Trubisky is. We don't know what Zach Wilson is and Mitch can't throw. Like he's scared to throw. He's going to run. They have to contain the run. Like just be prepared for that because when things aren't, when things break down, he's going to move around. He's going to be like, I want to be Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson, but he's just not nearly as good as those guys. What do you think is the biggest key for them to win this game? What do you think they need to do to get to that point? I think, honestly, it's going to come down to the defensive line again and and getting pressure on Mitch Trubisky, but also he's got more escapability than really anyone. Well, aside from Lamar Jackson, but he's got more escapability and more mobility than uh, Joe Burrow and uh, Jacoby Brissett. So, you know, the Jets broke contain a lot against Joe Burrow and he was kind of able to duck out and, and make plays on the move. And Mitch Trubisky can do the same thing. Mitch Trubisky is anywhere. Though. He's not, he's nowhere in the stratosphere of, of Joe Burrow and his talent, but he looks to run. So that part does concern me. Um, you know, I don't think the Steelers offensive line is very good, but those weapons all scare me. I mean, it, you know, George Pickens, Chase Claypool, Deontay Burnett, uh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, Deontay Johnson, Deontay Burnett, um, Sam, Najee, Sam Harris, favorite. Najee Harris. No, Najee Harris. Can, Najee Harris can break tackles. Pat, Pat Fryer moves a good tight end. Jets can't cover tight ends to save their lives. So this, you know, it really comes down to Trubisky, which in all reality, like, you know, the Jets should have an advantage here because Trubisky isn't a good, he's not a very good quarterback. So the Jets should be able to capitalize on this. But what basis do we have for saying that? Like, really? I mean, this is this exactly right now. It's not a good defense. I mean, you can give them credit because they stepped up in this, you know, later in the second half after they gave them that freebie touchdown at the um, after the Flacco turnover on the first drive of the second half. The, G, the defense stepped up. They got 27 points early. They held them off the rest of the game. But there's there's really no basis to have any confidence until you see it happen. You know, what I believe is that the Jets front four should be able to get pressure and be able to force Mitch Trubisky to, you know, 
uh, make some mistakes and make some bad throws and maybe capitalize on them. But what I know from what I've seen is I'm not confident that that's going to happen. Um, I think really, I mean, honestly, this, this boils down to Zach and how we, how well he plays. I think points are going to be at a premium um, in this game. I think it's going to be a low scoring affair. If Zach can come back and I know you tweeted it out earlier, if he can have a, you know, Tampa Bay esque game, like he did last year, um, then the jets have a good chance. Cause I think uh, if he can convert those, even with Flacco, as bad as he looked, the Jets were able to move the ball in each game, right? Like, really, they were able to move the ball. They just weren't able to put it over the goal line. So if Zach can convert some of those threes into sevens, then obviously the Jets are going to be in good shape. So those are really the, the, the two keys for me is how the defensive line can capitalize on a bad Mitch Trubisky and how Zach can come back and look with the plethora of weapons that he has now compared to last season. Totally. I agree with you. I'm very excited to see what Zach can do. I'm hoping that, you know, the positive momentum that he had and from last season towards the end, and obviously the camp that he was having and the, the chemistry he was developing with his receivers and, and running backs, you know, in the off season, translates into his first game well i'm hoping that we do see progress from this year this year like you know over the next 14 games assuming he does stay healthy which please dear god can he stay healthy like we already lost three games like at least give us the full 14 um i do think it may be a little bit of a a game of rust for him i I could be wrong i mean some guys just like he's he's like he's hyped man like he said this is the happiest he's been in quite in in quite some time because it's been tough to go for him Mm. um I do think you're going to see some improvements. You're going to see him hitting, you know, those short passes that he kept missing. I think that you're going to see him playing more within structure, but at the same time, because of the deficiencies on the left side of the line, he's probably going to have to roll out a little bit, which is definitely going to add some ability for guys like Garrett Wilson and Elijah to break free of the coverage and get open again. Um, I don't think he's going to be like this, like, you know, Tua against um, a Baltimore performance where he's over 450 and like whatever, six touchdowns. But I do think he's going to throw around like 250. I think he's going to, you know, have a strong completion percentage. I think he's probably going to throw two, two touchdowns and probably have some turnover, whether it's an interception or a fumble. You know, he hasn't proven that he can protect the ball consistently. He's actually, and I hate that someone put this out there. I shared it. I saw it that too. he hasn't thrown an interception in like 172 passes or something like that, five straight games. Like that just yeah. is like, they're, they're just trying to set him up for failure. Um Anyway, but I think that he's obviously the key to this game, but I also think the Jets just really attacking their defense. I mean, I think that Pittsburgh's defense is good, but without TJ Watt, it's not nearly the same. And he's potentially the without Minka Fitzpatrick, too. He practiced today in full. I think ah. he's playing. I know. Whatever. But it doesn't matter. It's the NFL, man. Everybody has players. Do it. You got to figure it out. But TJ Watt not playing is a huge thing considering the issues we have on all offensive line. But I want to challenge the offensive line. You know, you have this guy who we know is not nearly as good. Lift him. The interior is completely intact of what it's supposed to be. Max Mitchell has been very good. In all, all circumstances considered, he's been a lot better than anyone could have expected. The Fabini comparisons, maybe you were onto something. <laughs> but um, no, credit to him. I have been very impressed because you never hear his name. The only thing he did negatively is when he gave up the sack that when Flacco fumbled in Cleveland. But it really wasn't like that big of a deal. It's just, mm-hmm. you're going against Jay Van Clowney. You're going to get beat sometimes. Um, so yeah, th- that's really what I want to see, but I also want to see turnovers. I want to see uh, Mitch contain, you know, from a running perspective, but I also just want to see some pass rush. I want to see what they did in the second half from the defensive line carry over into this week. Mm-hmm. And I think they can. Pittsburgh does not have a good offensive line. That's been an issue for them dating back to when they had Ben Roethlisberger. So very winnable game for the jets. I'm going to pass it over to you for your prediction. What do you think? 
You've been negative the last two weeks. It worked <laughs> once and it didn't work the second time. What do you yeah. think? I mean, I really, I have no, no grounds for saying anything positive, but um, man, this is going to be tough. You know, I think too often, especially through these first three weeks, you know, and really dating back to as long as I can remember, the Jets get dictated to as opposed to dictating two teams, right? They, it seems like they're playing the other team's games and, and, and maybe they can steal one, you know, if, if things go right. Um, I'd like to see them get the running game going. I really was a believer that this was going to be a run heavy team, um, especially early. That's what on. they want to be. Exactly. But it just really, uh, the game, the games haven't lent themselves to allow the Jets to be that. And Lafleur has kind of abandoned the run, uh, I think, pretty quickly. And I mean, Flacco's, you know, on pace to, <laughs> the Jets are on oh, pace to. They like, were playing from behind for most of the season. Exactly. Which, so which I understand. But still, I, I, so I'd like to see them get the running game going. But, I have, like I said, I have no basis for saying that, for saying this, but I just can't fathom that the Jets lose this game to Mitch Trubisky. I think Zach Wilson coming back, I think Zach's going to have a good game. I'm a believer in Zach making a jump, a significant jump, not a Josh Allen year two to year three, not a Patrick Mahomes like jump, but a significant jump enough that proves that he's the guy for years to come. Um, I think him coming back is going to be a big deal. I think the Jets win 23 20. Well said. I don't want to do this, but I'm doing it. I think they're going to win also. I just think that Zach Wilson being back is just going to give this team an, uh, you know, an injection of energy that they've lacked. I mean, they just kind of were flat last week, and I think he's the captain. He's the franchise. He's the guy that they all love in the locker room who's doing some things with some moms and everything like that. I just think they're excited to have their quarterback back, and I think you know, we're going to see a lot more of the playbook opened up with LaFleur. I think he's going to do some things that we wasn't able to do with Flacco, maybe take some more shots because he knows Zach has his crazy arm talent. Um, I just think that, you know, Zach's motivated, man. He hasn't been on the field in like a meaningful spot in about a month and a half. He's ready to go. I think also it's not going to be a super high scoring game, but I think it'll be, uh, I'll say, 21-17 Jets. So pretty close. Like, you know, within one possession, basically, if yours is a field goal, mine's not. But something I actually realized, I didn't predict any of the scores correctly, but I actually picked the Ravens total points correctly. I said 24. I said 24-21. Mm-hmm. And then last week, I said uh, 27-23 um, Bengals. So on to something. I'm on to something. So maybe, I'll get the, maybe I'll get the Jets three touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um I figured we'd do something different. Let's give some shouts out. Shout outs to some guys who've been doing good, you know, even though the team hasn't been performing the way we'd hoped for three weeks. I want to shout out to Greg Greg Zerloin. And I wrote about this in my piece in the Badlands Patreon. He had a bad week one. We all rip it on. We're like, same old kicker situation. We have ever since we let Jason Myers go, it's been terrible. Went four for four. He had a 57 yard against Cleveland. It seems like the Jets may have gotten this position right for once. And I know we're quick to rip them because they missed so many kicks. But he did his job last week, so you can't really get on him. And I've yeah. been impressed with him really ever since the, the Cleveland game. Mm-hmm. I want to know somebody from you. Who's somebody who's caught your eye who deserves some recognition? Yeah, honestly, I mean, I've been uh, critical of the defensive line simply because I think they're a probably overpaid and overrated unit. However, I do think that the criticism of Quinn Williams is a little bit unfair. And I no, think that he's I looked – I think he's looked really good through three weeks and I give him a lot of credit. I give him even more credit for getting fired up 
And for, I liked. I, I like that too. I have no problem with that. And I like that he's putting it on him. I like that he's kind of turning the corner um, and becoming a leader with that. So I, um, I'll, I'll shout out Quinn and Williams because I do think that he's looked good through three weeks. I'd still like to see more out of him and out of the whole defensive line. Uh, but I think the criticism of him is a is slightly unfair. And I think he is, he's start, we're going to see him start making the jump and I'm confident in that. I like to hear that. I mean, listen, I hope so as well, but like, you got to think about it. He's going to want a new contract. And to me, he hasn't warranted making 15 plus million. No, and still not worthy of the third overall pick. Like he's still got some, he's still got a lot to prove, but I'm just saying, I think the criticism is a little bit unwarranted from a lot of people. I, I think it's just because he like the analytics back him up, but it's like, you're not seeing the physical plays on the field. Like, like I watched some like guys like Fletcher Cox and they're obviously going to shoot. He's not a sack guy, but in the run game, you see him just destroying people and always getting yeah. in the backfield. Whereas Quinn I feel like he gets by, but he just, he just gets hurried. It's not like he's doing his job, but it's like, I want to see more. He just like, it just feels like Leonard Williams 2.0. I've said this a bunch of like, he just never can get home. You got to do a lot to warrant that number three overall pick and that money. Of course, that but imagine we had Nick Bosa instead of him. Oh, I agree. No, I'm Nick Bosa is amazing. I, I totally agree. You know, I just think I, you asked me the question to highlight amidst a, a heap of crap. And I think Quentin Williams has looked good through three games. So that's what I'm saying. I'd also highlight CJ Mosley. I think, you know, that price tag that he has, I think kind of skews a lot of people's visions. I think he's had a, a pretty good first three games here, especially considering he's what 30, 31. He's still the leader of that defense. He's the leader of that team. Like that's, you know, that's a lot to carry, but he's performed as well. I mean, um, I'm a member of the Mosley hive. I'm not. Oh, I like, I, yeah, I wouldn't want to envision this defense without him. I also think they got to play Quan a little bit more. He had a lot of snaps in week one, and then it's kind of deteriorated a little bit. I think they need to keep getting back out there, especially. They're going to have to now. Yeah. Yeah. He also deserves a shout out. He was actually having a really good game before he went down. Thankfully, it's not as serious as I thought it was. I thought he was going to be done for the season. I feel like maybe he'll be out like a month, which is really good to see Mm because, you know, he actually was playing pretty well. He got carted off. Yeah. You figured he's done. Air caps. I mean, that's usually it's like done for the year, but sometimes they do it out of precaution. I'm going to make a little prediction. And I think I said this in our Slack. It's, oh, okay, relax. It's not like <laughs> that. We always complain about the broadcasters and everything that we always get the crap ones. My prediction for Jets Dolphins next week is going to be a Jim and Tony game. Oh. Especially, especially if we win, because it's going to be Zach versus Tua, young quarterbacks, division rivals. You know, they've never called the Zach Wilson game. And obviously the Dolphins, if, if they beat the Bengals, they're 4-0, kind of talk of the town kind of thing. That's our prediction. I think we're going to get a Jim and Tony game. <laughs> really? Did Jim and Tony ever call one o'clock games? I always thought they were the late ones. No, they do one o'clock games. I think right. it just depends on oh, the schedule falls. You know what? Like, let's if the Jets are two and two, and and the four and zero Dolphins are coming to town. I mean, hey, I'll take a Jim and Tony game. Absolutely. Anything beats listening to listening to Spiro Didi and and Spiro Didis <laughs> and Jay Feely, man. That's all. Oh. I wish there was a way. I said in the Slack, I wish there was a way that I could time it. Uh, cause I'm on delay, which sucks having to watch it via the ticket app. But if I could mute it and listen to with shoes in and Marty Lyons, oh, that would be a dream. I would, that's, that's what I would love to do. I know, it, you know, it would be cool. I know obviously it's different because it's not like how basketball, baseball and hockey are where you have like your local broadcasters doing the game on TV, but it would be cool if you had like local broadcasters who know everything about the team doors every week. It's just like these people who are thrown into it who don't know. I had Eagle knows about the Jets because he worked for them for the preseason. But, like, everyone else is just like, oh, yeah, I just watched them on film this week. It's like it, – it's it's the different perspective. And, you know, you see a huge drop-off when you're not getting, like, you know, the Joe Bucks, yeah. the uh, Jim Nance, um, Chris Collinsworth and all yep. and whatnot. 
Um, I think the last Jim and Tony game we had was Sam against Dallas. So it was. It, and I know, and that was fun. That well. well, Tony, Tony loves Sam. And yeah. he actually really likes Zach too. So I'm like, ah, kiss of death. But it's crazy though. We were like, we were talking about um, in the Slack, like the Sanchez, those years when they played Pittsburgh, we had Jim and Phil all the time. Like, I yep. remember, like, we were good. So we actually had them like all the time. I know. I know. And the, 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 the um, Jets Steelers highlights today were extremely fun. Sanchez was a bootleg king. And could throw the deep ball. I mean, Sanchez, like, for everything that he is, Sanchez could throw a deep ball. We he was vindicated on Sunday. Thank you, Mike. I mean, yes, I know it, right? Dan Orlowski and Mark Sanchez both vindicated in the same Sunday. How amazing is that? Oh but, yeah, I mean, Sanchez, you know, he could throw the deep ball. And, man, those, you know, those years were fun. Uh, 2009, even to, to 2011, uh, even with the collapse, at least they were fun. And, 2011, uh, he was good up until the Giants game. That's when he, it, it felt He fun. was. Yeah, it did. And, honestly, I mean, that was, you know, everything fell apart in that in that in that Giants game and then the next week with Santonio and the Dolphins thing it was it was a whole thing but honestly that was really the end of everything that was was. like like Victor Cruz going 90 yards on the sideline was the beginning of the end and then I we could go I mean the Jets in that game the Jets could have run the ball 50 times and never given the Giants the ball and would have won would have won that game easily Sanchez threw 50 times which made no sense oh my god why do we have to do this (laughs) listen we have to sometimes. But you know what? I Will tweeted out uh, the Brad Smith kick return against um Dude, against I love Brad Smith to this day. Brad Those... Smith was amazing. He was a wildcat king. He was a return specialist. He was just a special teams Dude. special. I mean, the, the Westhoff, I'm going on so many different ch- tangents, but the Westhoff special teams units for the Jets from, what, nine, uh, 99, I want to say, or 2000, until whenever i mean they were incredible like he was always top five in the league they were so well coached they were so amazing he was such a good remember all the spacing uh, they had on returns which is why leon and joe mcknight were able to just cook it was so much fun i mean every we had so many all like all pro or or, or, uh pro bowl kick returners and he turned everyone into a pro bowl kick returner justin Justin miller Miller, leon washington brad smith like all these guys i mean joe mcknight yeah crow was great to do it a little bit um but what was my uh, – I'm sorry. My point was that that 2010 season, you got to remember that the Jets were coming off the Monday Night Massacre. They were 9-2. and two. Monday Night Massacre happened. It was 45-3 New England, so they're 9-3. and three. They come back home and put up a stinker against Miami. Oh, my and God. 9-4. They, they don't dude. score a touchdown. Santonio Holmes drops a touchdown that, that's right in his hands that would have won the Jets. And it was and, Yes. It was such a bad game, such a dud. So for them to be 9-4 and – and every Jets fan is going, holy shit, we are collapsing again. This is going to happen. <laughs> and they come out and they beat Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, 22-17. Like, that was such an amazing game. And, and, and such, I mean, such credit to Rex, Rex Ryan and his staff and what that team did that day. Like, that was amazing. Yeah. No, I, I was one that I thought, I was like, oh, great, here we go again. We're going to watch another, you know, collapse. They're going to end up 9-7 and seven out of the playoffs. And sure, sure enough, man. They beat Pittsburgh that day and go 11 and five and get back to the AFC championship game. I know. You know, what's funny about that game. I, I remember I was home for my first semester of college and I, I used to like deliver pizza. I watched the first half and then I had to start working around like, uh, I don't remember. I basically, I was like, listening to the game on the radio while I was working. And I just remember Jason Taylor safety. Bob's going, he's just like, that's a safety, Jason Taylor. It's really <laughs> weird to say this or something like that. Yeah. And I was like, I'll never forget that. And then obviously, like I like I DVR'd it and watched it when I got home. 
Dude, that's one of my favorite games of my life. I mean, that was a fun one. I mean, the Patriot Divisional game is just everything. Best, that's the best win of my lifetime. Best win of my lifetime, hands down. I mean, without a doubt. It was just, if if you know, you know. I mean, like, yeah. obviously, those younger Jeff fans, they just only know the suck. They don't know, like, the yep. good stuff. That's, yeah. That was incredible. And even, honestly, the Charger game the year before when they went to San Diego and won. That was, that was awesome. Re- you so know what's, green what's breakout funny? Game? Yeah, what's funny to me is I've heard multiple people. I remember Mark Sanchez on a podcast. I forget which podcast, but he was on, and he actually – they asked him what his favorite win was, and he said it was the San Diego game, and I was, like, shocked. I'm like, it wasn't New England? Um, I just thought everyone would at default, but he said the San Diego game was the, was the most fun. Cause he said, you know, they had no shot and they really went up there and, or went out there, um, and, you know, and played really well, obviously, and, and got the W out in San Diego, which was just unexpected across the board, which I'm like, you know, well, so was New England. I mean, that was even more so, but, um, it's just really cool to hear that stuff, but yeah, we should do that kind of our, uh, you know, top five favorite games of all time. That'd be a fun episode. <laughs> you know, I love the nostalgia, man. I know. Well, cause the present stinks. So that's all we have. I know. I go we down a do real that. bad rabbit hole. We will do like the way Joe and Connor did in the off season. We'll do a little bit of that because, yeah. you know, we do have a team to talk about and obviously the progression, but, uh, any closing thoughts before we wrap? Listen, um, I would like to just give a shout out to the fans and the people that are listening that that, that tune in, uh, that comment, that follow you and I on Twitter, and, and ultimately that uh, download and listen to the podcast when it comes out the next day. Um, huge thank you to all you guys. We, we've seen the, the numbers increasing week in and week out, which is great. I've always said being a fan uh, of this team is is great because – when they lose, you want to hear people and, and, and bitch and commiserate with you. And when they win, you're excited and you just can't wait to hear more. Um, so it's great to kind of have that outlet and to know that, uh, that people are listening. So um, shout out to the fans, man. We really appreciate it. And uh, give us both a follow on Twitter. Keep interacting with us. We'd love to uh, just talk Jets, anything and everything, man. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's been awesome. So much growth in the show. We appreciate everybody you know, who tunes in. It's, it's really cool. And it's been, it's been a really fun experience for both of us. Um, as a reminder, if you are not subscribed, subscribe to Turn the Jets Live on Apple or Spotify. Uh, also, our YouTube channel, which uh, is uh, youtube.com slash Turn the Jets TV. Um, also, as we re- remind you every week, don't forget to become a Badlands Patreon subscriber. So they get continued coverage of the team that you love from Connor and Joe. And obviously, Stephen and I contribute some writing. Dan Eason does. Will does. Everybody's doing some stuff. Super fun stuff. Um, best premium Jets content ever. I know they had the film breakdown with Dan, which was awesome. I actually watched it before we went live. You know, three episodes a week, written content. And obviously, if you are a New Jersey resident, you like to gamble on, on sports, check out Profit Exchange, the first betting exchange in the U.S. Only live in Jersey currently, but will be expanded to other states as time goes on. Um, and yeah, like Steven said, appreciate all the support and we will talk to you guys next week.